So there are many things in your life that you never really notice or pay attention to um, until something's wrong, right? And there's a lot of things that fall into this category, but one of the things that falls into this category um, is time. Um, you don't really think about you don't really think about time when you're listening to a song. Um, but if the band gets out of time, if the timing messes up, something's off, it, it becomes obvious and it's painful to listen to and it kind of stands out to you. Um, in sports, a team that doesn't have good timing in the things that they're doing, um, they're going to look like, they're going to look terrible. They're not going to win. It's going to be horrible. Um, you, you aren't aware of timing in your body, but if you have an issue um, in your breathing or your heart with timing, I mean, you're going to danger lies ahead. You, you take note of it, right? Dancing is beautiful to watch unless it's people who have zero sense of time and then it's just kind of uh, painful, right? You, you don't pay attention to, to the timing in your car engine, but if that timing gets off, mm, you better open your wallet because uh, you're going to be having expensive repair, and in the same way that all of those things have timing to them, um, your, your life has a timing to it as well. Uh, a timing in the way that everything works and flows together and the order that things go in and, and how they work. And in, during this time of sheltering in place, all of our timings in our life uh, has been thrown off. Right? And for some people, you, you did a good job. You were able to adjust and and move on. For some people, man, it's still tough because that timing in life is just off. And in the same way that in all of those other things that if the timing's off, it can look really, really bad, right? When out of time, a life lived out of time, um, it, it can be destructive, right? It, it can, it, for those who are connected to it, it can be painful to watch, as it happens, right? And, and so we're going to spend the next few weeks um, talking about the timing of your life. And when it comes to time, we're all aware of what time is, right? It's no, it's no mystery to us. Um, well, not all cultures are aware of what time is, like us Americans are. Um, if you go to Central America or Africa, they're... Time doesn't mean as much in certain areas and in, in uh, those places. But, but for us Americans, our life revolves around the clock, right? We're, we're, we're slaves to it, right? In fact, a very common question in our society, one that gets asked so many times, we don't even realize how many times we say it, is what time is it? What time is it, right? What time is it? And... Many of you will check your watches um, or your phones several times during, during my sermon to check the progress, to see how much time there is left because there's a certain rhythm, right? We have a timing. We have a rhythm here at Tapestry. In the timing, you know, we, we let out within, you know, two to three minutes of 10 after 11 every week when we meet in person, right? And even, even when earlier, you know, when we're online because we actually start on time, right? But if you look and it seems like it's going to be longer than that, some of you, uh, you know, I don't know, he's going long. It doesn't seem like he's wrapping up, right? 
And usually, usually not when we're doing these video recordings, um, but usually I've got a clock sitting right in front of me, just screaming the time at me because we're so just, mm, mm, mm. time is just so important, our schedules and sticking to it. But every once in a while, we get caught up in something and we just lose track of time. And a lot of times it's because it's something fun and we're enjoying what we're doing. Um, but that's only temporary. And then we get back to our slave to time real quick. Now, the problem is this. The question, what time is it, is not the best question to be asking when it comes to time in our life. A better question to be asking is this. What am I doing with my time? What am I doing? The problem of always asking what time it is, is that it's a constant reminder of the thing that is singularly most depressing about you. And that is your time is running out. For many of you, you're very close, especially relatively to when you were a young, young child, to time being up. Right? And aren't you glad you tuned into church this morning to be reminded that you, your time's almost up, you're getting to the end? Yeah, I know, I know. But we have calendars, right? We have calendars that let us know how fast the weeks and months and years go by, right? We have clocks that let us know how fast the hours and the minutes go by. And if you have a watch with a second hand, you can literally sit and watch the time in your life tick away. And the older you get, the faster time seems to go, doesn't it? It's weird how that, when you, were, when you were a kid, man, the time between Christmas and the next Christmas was a literal eternity. Like you lived lifetimes in between two Christmases, right? As an adult, every time you turn around, you're like, dang it, is it Christmas again? Right, because it seems like it's always here. So asking what time it is, that's just a reminder that your time is running out. Now, this whole idea of, of time slipping away is actually a huge theme in the Bible. So I thought we'd start out by looking at some happy thoughts from the book of Job. Here's what Job says. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. Right? You're not going to find that verse on a, an inspirational desk calendar anywhere, I promise you. But, but wait, there's more. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. Now, I, I promise you the entire series is not going to be this depressing. But everyone gets to a point where you stop and you think about how old you are and you start thinking about how much time you have left. And many people get to the point where they don't celebrate birthdays, they dread birthdays as they are a reminder of how much time is not left. Time keeps slipping by and we constantly remind ourselves of that by asking what time it is. So perhaps the better question is, what am I doing with my time? maybe, maybe, maybe I should start living my life or spending my time with the end in mind, right? Now, in the arena of that, of that mindset, we get some help from the scriptures, not from Job. He didn't help us with that. Um, but we get some help from the scriptures. 
from Moses, actually. Moses actually wrote one of the Psalms. When when we think of the Psalms, we think of David as being the primary author, but there's actually one Psalm that Moses wrote, Psalm chapter 90. And let me tell you why Moses is a great source to turn to when it comes to this topic, this idea of time. Because Moses was actually a Hebrew, but when he was a baby, uh, he was taken by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as an Egyptian. And then in his late teens or early 20s, he realized that he was an Egyptian, right? And that he was a Hebrew and that all of the Hebrews around him were slaves. And he got angry about the way that the slaves were treated. And eventually because of it, he killed a couple of Egyptians, And that did not go over well in Egypt. And so Moses ends up fleeing for his life out into the wilderness as a fugitive. And while he's fleeing across the wilderness, he comes across a couple people um, and they hire him as a shepherd. Now, here's the interesting thing. Moses, for the next 40 years, what you and I would consider the prime years of life, for the next 40 years, did nothing. He did nothing. Every day was the same. If the sun was up, he was out with the sheep. If the sun was down, he was sleeping with the sheep for 40 years. Moses had no need for a watch. Moses did not ask what time it was. So for 40 years, Moses assumed no God and no purpose. He basically said, I'm just gonna wait it out till I get to the end of my time and then I'll die. 40 years of nothing. And then after 40 years, God says, actually Moses, mm, I've got a plan for your life, right? I've got a plan. And, And then there's the part of the story that you know, he goes and he dramatically delivers the Israelites out of Egypt and becomes a household name. Now with all of that story and all of that background as the backdrop, Moses lets us in on this huge idea when it comes to our time. And that is this, context is everything. Context is everything. God has created a context. And our 70 to 80 years of life, however long your life ends up being, falls into the context of an age to an age, right? Uh, A generation to generation God. And if we view our little amount of time that we have on this earth, if we view it in that much larger context, then we will discover the point of our life. And if we don't look at it in that context, we will reach a time when we ask ourselves about our life, what's the point? What's the point? Now, now the interesting thing about the, uh, all of this is this. When we are young, we think we are the point, right? Everything revolves around us. We are the star of our story. But as we get older, we begin to realize that that's not true. That's not true. And we wonder, so if I'm not the point, what is the point? And we look around and we see that everybody's just kind of the same, right? I mean, we're, we're born, we go to school, we graduate, 
Some people, after you graduate high school, you get a job. Some people go to college, right? Then you get a job, get married. For a lot of people, get married again. Maybe a third time, let's do it. Have kids, buy a house. Kids grow up, you retire, go play golf somewhere, get sick, die, right? Do you know anybody who that was their story? Yeah, you do. About everybody you've ever known. That's their story. And at some juncture in the middle of all of that, we ask, what is the point? And Moses says, I'm gonna tell you the point. And it's all about context. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Psalms chapter 90. Now, Psalms are poems. And so the language within this passage is a little flowery, maybe a little tricky. So I'll try my best to, to clear it up as we go. But Psalms chapter 90, beginning in verse one. Lord, you have been our, referring to the nation of Israel, our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses is saying, saying, if you want to understand the bookends of your life, the bookends of your life are not birth and death. They're everlasting to everlasting with God in the middle. Those are the bookends of your life. And only in that context will your life make sense. Only in the context of God, uh, of everlasting to everlasting with God in the middle, will your life make sense. Verse three, you turn people back to dusk, saying, dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. And when I read that, it's like Moses was kind of writing God's with a whole like Gandalf type of vibe to it, right? Return to dust, you mortals. You shall not pass. I'm going to make a confession here. I've I've never actually seen that part of the movie. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to get some emails on that. Um, Yeah, so, so that was that. But Moses is saying, no matter who you are, right? Or, or, or what you have accomplished, in the end, you will return to dust. He keeps going. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. To put that into context, a thousand years ago was right before the Crusades happened. Right, so, so that's like saying the whole time from before the Crusades all the way until now seems like a day to God. Or like a watch in the night, which he was referring to shifts that, that people would take at night watching for danger that usually lasted around three to four hours. A thousand years seems to us like three or four hours to God. Now, don't, don't do the math because it's really, it's really depressing because if a thousand years seems like three or four hours to God, how fast then does your 70 or 80 years seem to him? Right, your life goes quicker than, than the government takes to spend your tax money. You, you ever seen that, that debt clock where the numbers are just and they're spinning up so fast, the ones on the end, you can't even actually see them, they're spinning so fast and they're going up that quick, right? Those numbers are flying. That's how fast your life is 
in this context. <laughs> I guess we can thank Moses for those uplifting words, but he isn't done. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by the evening, it is dry and withered. And now he's saying that, listen, in the context of eternity to eternity, our life barely makes a blip on the radar screen. Now, Moses' point is not this, be clear. His point is not your life doesn't matter, right? Even though that, that may be how it feels when you read this, when you hear me explaining it and saying it in a really like blah, blah way, it may be like, well, yeah, does life even matter? That, that's not the point. His point is your life is so quick that it is futile for you and I to try to create something of significance on our own because we really don't have the time to do it. Your only hope for purpose, your only hope for significance is to take your small amount of time and inject it into the grander story, the larger thing of what God is up to. Now, if that seems kind of out there and really difficult uh, to, to, to accept, um, try looking at it from the flipped angle. Here's what, here's what you and I know, know for certain. Have you ever spent time or worked for someone who tried to make the whole world about them? Like it didn't matter what you tried to talk about, what were you were doing, it all just turned back to them and was centered on them and they tried to make it all out. Here's what happens. And this has happened on a grand scale throughout history. When someone refuses to give in to the fact that there is no significance in life apart from what God is up to, they try to create significance based on their life and their power and when they do that, two things happen. First of all, they always run out of time. Always. Secondly, history does not look kindly upon them. We've seen this over and over and over again. When a person decides that it's all about them, we instinctually know that isn't right. And the people that do that that make it all about them are not pleasant people, right? And they leave a trail of broken relationships behind them. I mean, this is how dictators become dictators and destroy countries, right? There's something very small and very selfish about it all. And in our few years, our greatest play is to not try to make ourselves known. Our greatest play is not to try and make ourselves significance, significant. There has to be something greater. And Moses, who, who could have pulled it off probably, says, no, 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 no. It's about something bigger. He keeps going. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them, that is our years, are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And he's saying, even if you have a great life, there are going to be years of sorrow. 
There's going to be trouble. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that God isn't paying attention to you or what's going on. But then comes verse 11. And verse 11 is so confusing that I was really tempted to skip it and just, and just go straight to the end game in verse 12. But you're smart people, so we're going to try and trudge through verse 11. We're going to tackle it. And I'm not going to give you a, a Hebrew grammar lesson or make you feel like you're preparing for some quiz that you're going to have to take afterward. So I'll just tell you what it means and feel free to fact check me later on. <clears throat> But verse 11 says this, if only we knew, implication being, we don't know, right? If only we could comprehend, but we can't comprehend. If only we could see, but we don't see. If only we knew the power of your anger, the largeness, the size, the intensity, the grandeur. And then, and then Moses writes this sentence that comes out as really poor grammar when translated to English. He writes this, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. What? Wait, what? What are you saying there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me give you a paraphrase. It's like this. If we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence that he is due. Within the conversation, within the context of a, a, a conversation on time, if we could see God for who he is, then we would present our 70 or 80 years on this earth within the context of what God is doing. There wouldn't be a question, but we can't see clearly. And we can't see who God really is, the fullness, the intensity of who he really is. Now, this is Moses that's writing this, right? God does not reveal his full glory to us because we literally could not handle it. Moses is the closest person in the history of people, right? To, to, to see the fullness of God's glory. And when he returned from that experience, he was glowing. He was so magnified that people did not even recognize who he was. And Moses is telling us, if we did see it, if we did see it, we would immediately realize without question, we are not the point of our lives. And we would say to God, take my 70 years, take my 80 years and use them for your thing because my thing is nothing in comparison to your thing. So with all of that in mind, what are we supposed to do, right? We've seen people make their lives all about them. And that isn't pleasant. And that doesn't end up well. We, we don't, we don't want to do that, right? But at the same time, God, we, we don't know what you're up to. We, we, we don't see the the, the bigger picture, the, the overarching story of, of, of what you are up to, right? And to say fit into your purpose, I mean, that, how do you do that? That's difficult. We can't see clearly. What are we to do? And then Moses, with all of his wisdom and all of his experience, <laughs> 
He says this, and this is going to be the basis for, the, for our conversation for the rest of this series. Verse 12, he says this, teach us, and now he's praying to God, teach us to number our days. Teach us because we don't know how. Teach us because it does not come naturally to us. In other words, teach us to live as if our days are numbered because in fact, they are. And what does that mean? What, do, what does it mean to live as if your days are numbered? And we've all, we've all done it. We've done it like you knew exactly how many days you had left till graduation. And so you made sure that you did what you needed to do to get to that point, right? You knew exactly how many days until your wedding. And so you made sure that you were on a schedule and had everything done for that moment, Right? You know exactly how many days. Well, Dee probably knows how many days till Christmas, but you know at least how many months and how quick Christmas is coming. And so you're going to adjust and act accordingly so that you're ready come Christmas. Every time you have a deadline, every time you need to do something uh, that you have to meet a deadline, you, you number your days and you live according to that number. So Moses is saying, God, since we don't know the day of our death, right? And there's so much about you that we don't understand. Teach us to live as if our days are numbered when we don't know what that number is. And the question is why? Well, why, Moses, do we want God to teach us that? He says that, and then he gives us the desired result, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And this is so awesome. Moses says, I, I won't know how to make wise decisions if I don't make decisions within the context of my limited number of days. Right? I, within the context of my limited number of days, when it comes to, to decisions, I'll make better decisions in my finances. I'll make better decisions in my relationships, in my parenting, in my career. If I do it within the context of knowing that my days are numbered, it is that knowledge that drives us to better decision making. And so instead of asking what time it is, ask, what should I do with my time? Because once we realize that life isn't about us, that is the key to discovering purpose in your life. Once you get to the point where you say, God, I believe that there is a grander story and I am not the main character. God, I believe that you are up to something from generation to generation to generation and you are in the middle of it. Now teach me to live as though my days are numbered so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. And in doing so, I will make decisions that bring glory to you, not bring glory to me. Because my life is too small and I want it to be maximized in the grand scheme of what you are up to. So listen, the, the, the timing of all of our lives has been interrupted. 
And it would be easy to sit back and look at this disruption as a negative thing and just be super anxious to get back to how things were and into our regular routine and move on from all of this COVID mess. But I think this is an opportunity. I think this is an opportunity to evaluate the timing of your life, evaluate the way you spend your time, evaluate how you make decisions because your time is limited and it's not about you. So perhaps now is the ideal opportunity for us to make some adjustments in the way that we spend our time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for just the immensely important and guiding principles that you deliver to us through the scriptures. And Lord, this is, Lord, this is a theme that goes throughout the entire Bible. And God, if we can grasp hold of this idea that life isn't about birth to death, life is about playing a role in what you have been up to from eternity to eternity. And that it is viewing our lives in that context where we find significance. Lord, let us take this opportunity of the timing of our life being interrupted to evaluate how we view and use our time. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for spending time with us this week. Um, if you or anyone you know has any sort of need, um, please reach out to us. We're here to help. We want to help. We would love to help. Um, I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time we gather together.